bad and bullshit. Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erica. And I'm Amy. And we're back after our summer hiatus, simultaneously refreshed this last week, exhausted, and I will add that I am just enraged. So um, we're here, though, and ready to take you through this election season, which has already been taxing. So first, just some housekeeping tips, a reminder that we have merch redbubble.com slash people slash bad and bitchy also if you've been listening for a while or even if you're new support us in our work on patreon patreon.com slash bad and bitchy and just a reminder that we have a weekly column in the hill times and we know it's behind a paywall uh if you're not a subscriber to the hill times uh with show notes so take some time to review those Finally, we're on social media. All our contact info can be found in the description of this episode in the show notes. And you can email us too. All right, Amy. Are you ready? Of the Prime Minister, leader of the Liberal Party, Justin Trudeau, surfaced where he was wearing blackface. The first photos were from an Arabian Nights-themed gala from when he was a 29-year-old teacher at West Point Gray Academy in Vancouver. In a media scrum where he apologized, Trudeau said that there was one other time where he donned dark makeup, a high school talent show where he sang Deo while admitting that, quote, sometimes he likes costumes more than is appropriate, unquote. Less than 12 hours later, and after a photo from the aforementioned talent <coughs> show, video surfaced of yet another Trudeau incident in blackface, including his knees, which could be seen through the ripped jeans. Well, when he commits, he commits, doesn't he? He was dancing around and acting like a fool. Hours later, Trudeau faced the media. If you're like me and you're digesting this, you're, di- you're doing so on many levels. So take the time to do so on your own time. No one, no MP, no one in in a position of authority, no family or friend has a right to tell you when and how you should process this. But we must process this. If you're in a state of denial or making excuses, then you're not who we're talking. This is a national crisis and sweeping it under the rug will just show that we're too chicken shit as a nation to examine the truth about ourselves. Now let's really get into it. So, Amy, I'm not going to ask you uh, how you feel and how you're processing and yada, yada, yada. What I see is a pattern, a pattern that starts from way back in the beginning with Sophie, actually, and her her lullaby song at an Mm -hmm. MALK tribute Mm -hmm. to her, him and her with that tomorrow in hand picture which spurred this podcast, by the way, <laughs> um, to Canada Day and the Indigenous uh, protests. Um, you know, you brought up uh, in many of our conversations about Patrick Brazil and mm-hmm. how he came to fame, sort of, was by uh, basically fighting and beating an Indigenous man and then cutting off his hair 
as mm. celebration. Yeah, like that's actually a very crude but accurate way to describe what happened, right? I and have no more filter, Amy. No, no, no. no that's <laughs> fabulous. I mean, I think this is like the big thing, right? To the India trip. And and then the India trip. Yeah. I was going to say, but I think the big thing here is that we're realizing uh, we can finally speak freely about who Justin Trudeau is. I mean, I think... He, and this is, the, you know, the, the my first thought, too, right, when I saw, I mean, other than disgust, and I was honestly, a, like, it doesn't surprise me that people would wear blackface in Canada, obviously not. It did shock me that it ex- such a photo existed, um, and that, and like everyone else, I wondered, why the fuck have we not seen this before? This oh, we will run. talk about the media. Well, but mm-hmm. and it's not just the media. It's like the number of ways that this man has been protected and shielded mm-hmm. through yep. his entire life. Yep. And, you know, from from when he ran, even as the first time running as a member of parliament to running for the leadership and, and so forth. And in all of these instances, there wasn't, well, certainly the party didn't vet him because they sought him out and yep. they would have elected him regardless of yep. of error. They would have sought to get him elected regardless. And they would have buried it. Past, and they, they would have buried, buried it. it. Yeah. And I, and I, I'm, a, you know, I imagine they have. They, someone knew somewhere. I guarantee you, it's not that Justin Trudeau. The didn't, whole fucking school knew. Well, and his, well, let's follow through on these rumors. But yeah, it's been buried. I mean, he tried to say, "Well, I was ashamed." In the second apology. He was saying, I was so ashamed of it. I didn't want to talk about it. And someone found out about the photo. And that's when I finally told people, well, I, I beg to differ. I guarantee you people comments right in the last election about him being young and, you know, a little juvenile and a little naive. You know, people would make these offhand comments, but we never really dug into who he actually is. Well, let's put it this way. How different is that kind of analysis from <coughs> allowing a, from calling a Brock Turner, for example, a kid or those two Nazis who were who were terrorizing northern BC mm-hmm. uh, as kids. Mm-hmm. We 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 shrink white men down to oh, it's just juvenile behavior. We do only do that for them. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is an adult. I, I think what you brought up was basically power and privilege. Well, yeah, and, and but I just mean also the opportunity to have now a, a, a finally a conversation about who is who is this person. We, we've elected prime minister with really not much of a, with no, very little closer inspection. Right. So what do you think this says for progressives? Well, I mean, I've been really the people in the act in activist circles who do, you know, racial justice work, who obviously have a very different view, um, I think a more nuanced view of this because they're so close to this issue day in and day out in periods of time where everyone else isn't paying attention. And so are, are probably feeling this a lot more strongly because it resonates on so many levels. And, yeah. that, and of course, part of that are the people who live this experience every day and, um, you know, uh, maybe aren't sheltered by other forms of privilege. But I've been disappointed that the number of liberals, small L liberals, not just partisan liberals, who are so quick to say what, like to dismiss this. And the excuses are endless, right? I mean, you know, there's the excuse of, yeah, he's young. Well, he wasn't. He was 29 and he was a teacher in a position of authority, right? But then there's my least favorite one, which is the party argument. This, I, again, I've seen this, like people have written this on my wall. I'm like literally writing, like begging people 
to just read some of this work that's been done. You made a good comment on CBCA thing. There's never been a better time to access anti-racism resources and educate yourself. There's like asking people to like, I'm a brown person and it's just a party and it's just a costume. And I'm just thinking like, what are, what parties are these people fucking going to? And like part of me knows that parties are places where a lot of bad shit happens, right? Sexual assault. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like sexual assault hazing bullying unfortunate stories there's a horrible incident of a boy being bullied to the point that he was over he like for, force-fed drugs and overdosed and know? he was filmed yeah. and, and put like, on really youtube shitty yeah. stuff happens mm-hmm. at parties the callousness and sometimes fucking full-out forms of racism happen at parties well that's why i mentioned like when we're when i was on the house i mentioned halloween yeah and that halloween is coming up right after this yeah. election I think we, I think people of color need a national day of just like being away from white people. Like, I, I know this is not possible. Mm-hmm. Halloween. No, I don't trust a lot of brown people. Fair. Now. This Halloween, I will get, put a, we'll get hold on to that yeah. thought because I have, I have words. Um, I, the point, Halloween is right after this election. Halloween has, is that significant celebration where white people decide to put on blackface, don your cultural costumes, and use it as entertainment to mock you. It is the hipster racism holiday. And let me tell you, I'm, I don't, I am convinced that this Halloween is going to be worse than most. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Like, there'll probably be, you know, a lot of people feeling kind of emboldened to do this. And, like, this, the comments about this having been in the so-called distant past, it really wasn't, right? Like, this, he was a fully, like, conscientious adult who was, like, teaching young people, but okay, fine. 2001 uh this was maybe somewhat common it it, frankly it wasn't there was a lot of public discourse around why blackface was bad but blackface still happens today as you point out like people still wear um costumes that are offensive that appropriate different cultures that do it in a like really callous and sometimes frankly outwardly offensive you to engage in racist acts and frankly all these people jumping in there's so many people who are posting pictures of like well, my law school, here's a photo of everyone at my law school in Edmonton in the 80s. Everyone was doing blackface. I was like, I don't think that photo, like, says the thing that you think it's... <laughs> oh, my I God. Think that photo is part of a history of continued and existing racism where people dehumanize, you know, racialized folks, and especially black and dark-skinned people, by engaging in, in, in wearing blackface or wearing whatever you know, costume of the day. And the fact that that act of dehumanization is still alive. And that tells us a lot about what people actually think when they look at racialized people and black people and indigenous people and when they engage with them. Um, and it's like betrays a lot about our conscious way when people feel it's comfortable wearing those types of things. So that's not like, <laughs> it's not, uh, it's not vindicating in the way it's, people it's, seem to think it is. <laughs> and it just goes to show. And you know, that, you know, this country, honestly, is just too dumb racially to actually have the conversation. I'm afraid of having this conversation. Yeah. Because the amount of education that would have to be done with white Canadians about race will be a collective mental tax mm-hmm. on people of color. Mm-hmm. 
And that's what I don't want. For sure. And I mean, you look at the other defenses to this. It happened a long time ago. At first, people say it happened a long time ago. It was 2001. Blackface was so, like, it's, you know, I, I, I just. We've known for a long time, right, that these things are offensive. It, 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 it doesn't matter. It was 2001. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't 1830. It no. was 2000 and motherfucking one. The same year, by the way, that Canada, I think, the whole world changed for Muslims or Muslims around the world. It yeah. just like it just changed. Oh, absolutely. So I think. <laughs> I mean, it's a very abysmally long war. Yeah. It's like the repercussions of that period are still alive. They're not like it's not like Cold War textbooks shit we're talking about yeah <laughs> anyway whatever like people are still feeling like are still under like the effects of like the patriot act and people are still on no fly list and people are still you know mo- monitored by CSIS, guantanamo you know, bay is like, still we're open probably being all listened to still you know, yeah in our community so yeah. it's it's totally it's total nonsense to say that that was a long time ago the racism especially towards that arab and muslim communities was is still very alive but people are trying to have it both ways. It's both. It was a very long time ago, and also racism doesn't it didn't exist then and now in the contemporary <laughs> sense. When in fact it does, you know, by virtue of the fact that people still feel comfortable doing blackface. So it's like it. I like it. The logic is driving me bananas. But the worst of it to get to what we were mentioning earlier are these folks, racialized people, who you know mostly I've noticed brown people and Arab people. But not, you know, exclusively. Black people too, honey. Some, I, yeah. I saw I saw Greg Fergus. And the Greg Fergus saying that he uh, uh, forgave Trudeau next to Catherine McKenna, like a white woman of power. Right. Like, dude, is right. Greg Fergus even in cabinet? Yeah. She's a cabinet minister. Yeah. You basically were flanked by your white woman superior to, to, to shuck and jive in front of the fucking national media. Yeah, this is obviously something I've been holding in, okay? Because I am, <coughs> I am, I'm not appalled because I always knew that racialized people in this country have like a Stockholm of, of syndrome when it comes to white supremacy and racism. What I am appalled at is the glitch they jumped mm-hmm. to to collect the crumbs off Mass's table. Mm-hmm. That is my problem. Mm-hmm. And I felt like there was no, like there was, I felt like the people who were saying, wait a minute, what the fuck, were basically black women. Mm. Brittany, I saw Brittany, Amofa, those yeah, people. Yeah, commentators that are out there from, from the black community, especially um, but you then, and then also people who really have bought this stop sheer anyone but sheer mantra who seem to think like we can't have any conversation. I'll come back to that thought in a second. But then the other, this, there's this other group of people as well who are, to your point, like of Stockholm syndrome and immigrant Canadians, maybe not new recent immigrants, but especially, you know, second and, and first generation immigrants who've been here for a period of time where there is a, blind loyalty almost to the liberal party yes because a lot of folks came in under uh Pierre, era, yeah, yeah. era or, or, or Trudeau, Trudeau era yeah. mm-hmm. so those were the two big like movements of 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 uh immigrants in can to canada and 
there is this sort of loyalty and I and then there's also then you you know I'm, I'm not just saying it's that alone but then you think about the narrative that we're all fed and I say this because I hear this from my parents and I hear this from people in our community who are immigrants from who those those specifically those time periods who you know when they think about immigration issues now and they think about you know um, issues like Bill 21, like the rub of racial discrimination issues with immigration issues that we're seeing now, and they buy into the model minority, model immigrant they narrative, do. and yeah. they say like, well, we were the good ones, and we're so happy to come to Canada, and we love Canada, and these other people don't love Canada, like, try to be very compassionate with this, from a place of self-defense, there are people feel like, you know, they have, it's a self-preservation it is to to say it's feel like you're welcome and you're you you belong here and not you don't want to hear about the negative racism and you don't want to unless you experience it directly right and some people very much do and there are other people with who you know especially immigrants have been here for you know a period of time and especially those who are economic like had economic standing when they came and aren't refugees who are prop, you know, immigrants under the immigration system, right? Um, not not refugees or other forms of migrants right. who are more precarious. People who came here have you know some degree of economic wealth and stability, and they have that kind of privilege. So they're sheltered to some degree from some of the more they're not always up against this conflict with their race and their Canadian identity in the way that you know other people might I would say it's a softer conflict that's more nuanced oh yeah Yeah. and I think it's easy to turn a blind eye to it and most definitely you know and just accept the be grateful you're here inflates visible minority or or whatever we're called now racialized Canadians with new immigrants and uh or with immigrants in no general. for sure and i i want to just address yeah immigrants because i'm ref- because when i there's a couple camps of people who needed to respond to this photo and this is part of the issue with the photo and like we, this is the nuanced discussion that we're not going to have in the mainstream mm-hmm. that there's the reaction to is it brown face or black face and brown face connotes something like less serious and divorced from the history of blackface that's right and i don't think it's fair to call it brownface i think there's two issues with the photo the one issue is the costume itself the clothing the garb and the headdress which frankly is quite offensive to anyone who is sikh or you know wears any form of not that it's necessarily a Sikh, but it's meant to kind of mock or mimic those Mm -hmm. types of turban and but it's also offensive i think to any uh visibly religious minority that wears a head covering in a society that's essentially making that illegal day by day right right um but then there's the other piece which is the paint and the actual act of physical like painting your body in form of blackface and then you see the other photos the fucking talent show with the deo song and the i don't know like we still don't know what what's happening in that video that went around where he's covered his legs and his like torn jeans show he's in blackface head to toe i'm there's a lot of a lot of questions about where he was going and what he was doing what age he was in that video but whatever but like those are two separate things and i think you know some you know so you're having people react and i think there are a lot of arabs and people saying well the air aladdin doesn't offend me well it's like sure (laughs) i guess it's not the worst, but unless you're targeted by the specific, if you if you're light skinned, I don't think you really know. How, like you'll not. Some of us will have that empathy and we'll be able to see that, right? 
but it, I don't really give a fuck what your opinion is because yeah. frankly the Arab world and the Arab community is like notoriously anti-black so cool like that's not a helpful analysis not that everyone is but those sentiments are there so it's not like every racialized person gets to have the same opinion on this like it's so like very complicated representation that's what's also fucked up about it the what the the whole outfit is a is like a racial stereotype wrapped in another racial stereotype wrapped in like <laughs> wrapped in wrapped in uh Jim Crow wrapped in minstrel shows wrapped in orientalism yeah, like oh it, my yeah. yes yes there's a lot there so i don't think you can you know you can make the orientalism comment they'll get you to a certain point but you have to also make the blackface comment exactly because that's a whole other form of history and representation yeah um and and like questions of what that means i've had a problem with the brown face thing (laughs) and even on social media i refuse to call it brown face i've called it black face and that's 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 deliberate yeah um you're not going to weasel your see this is what happened some obvious racial incident all through which they can squeeze their own sense of 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 denial through and i'm just tired of that shit this is there's no question it's unequivocal and so um I'm going to go into the media part now because, you know, it's really the media that, like I feel, had started calling it brownface and blackface and, like, they couldn't decide. I think it was called brownface in the original Time article. In the Time article. Okay. Um, I find it interesting. There's so many layers, media layers in this. One, that it was broken by an American outfit, which makes me wonder where the fuck was Canadian media on this. Uh, two, I'd like to contrast the fact that fact with the um, press corps that was all white, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that I think the Time article was written by a woman and, and a couple of racialized people. Yeah, and they do refer to it um, as brownface. Okay. In the- um, also. You know, Canadian media seems to do this. It, 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 <coughs> and and this is, you know, within their probably their ideas of what will be profitable. The point is not that's not really the discussion we should be having. The discussion we should be having is uh, this as an indicator of the structural issues in this country. Uh, I also saw that this photo is the most shared photo, political photo of all time right now. Well, so. I mean, and as it should be, frankly, like uh, the photo is jarring. Like I was with someone who, as he saw it for the first time, and like I'd seen it a million times by that point of the day, like Thursday or Wednesday or whatever it was. And like, just like the audible gasp and reaction at like seeing, you know, when people declare like, oh, an offensive costume in 2001, I was like, cool, did he get a tan, like, in Jersey Shore and dress yeah. as Aladdin? Like, I would believe that. Yeah. And that would, you know, I would almost not be offended as an Arab person if he got a fake tan and dressed as Aladdin. Mm-hmm. Almost. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, I'd probably still be offended. But, like, to go to the, like, full-scale blackface that really hasn't progressed since circa 1850... And, like, to commit on that, like... Like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, like, that's an obsessive commitment to the craft of blackface. Like, 
He is like a pro, like prolific in the art of blackface. Like that's how far I would go. Like if <laughs> minstrel shows had like a ranking, he would be like number one in the chart of blackface. It's like it's wild. What? Like how many times? Like he was he was so proficient that he was able to cover his legs, put on jeans after the fact. <laughs> And like if you look at that video, like the application, that is an expert. <laughs> no, but you know what? It, it's it's I'm being silly. We're laughing so that we don't cry. It's, <laughs> it's silly, but it's it like it tells you a lot, right? Like someone casually is making an offhand, but like we've all said racist shit. Okay, that's the why the best song in Avenue Q is everybody's a little bit racist sometimes. Okay, we've all internalized a lot of nonsense. We've been raised with some garbage. I've been seeing people commenting about like in kindergarten, my kindergarten teacher dressed us in a head, you know, in a headdress and a Native American headdress, and, and I'm so ashamed. And I, I saw one person post the same exact post and say, "I'm so ashamed of that kindergarten photo." Then I saw someone else say, "Should I be ashamed of that kindergarten photo?" And it's like, first of all, kindergarten, <laughs> you weren't even like for, like a functioning person yet, and you're and not my, making my, the you know, argument I'm you think sure you are. I'm pretty sure my brother was dressed yeah. like there's photos of him yeah. when he was a kid, you know, and yeah. whatever. Like, right? That's literally so different. I mean, dressing in that as an adult would be really fucked up. Do you know how many times and the I adults was... who make kids do that, the kindergarten teacher should definitely be scolded. But this is not the same thing as what Justin Trudeau did himself, a 29-year-old teacher covered head to toe in blackface on multiple occasions. Do you know how many times I was bullied by that Deo song? Oh, God. Really? Fuck. Uh, it, was, it was a popular way to bully black kids. What? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. And of a certain time frame, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fuck. They would, they would make fun of you and sing that song to you. <laughs> so that, that hit me in a very, very personal way. Yeah. And so... Um, well, and he said it so offhand in that first apology. Yeah. He said, he said, I honestly, like, I was watching it live, like, I literally did a physical double take. Yeah. He was like, oh, uh, do you do it any other time? Uh, yeah. Yeah, there was that one time I sang uh, Deo at a talent show, and then the reporter had to be like, and, and, and oh, yeah, yeah, in makeup. <laughs> I'm just saying that, you know, there are, for some of us, there are some collective traumatic memories Absolutely. being drawn up by this, Absolutely. and to white people, people of color, people of color who sweep it under the rub, I eye roll because I'm like, wow, that's some serious deep internalized racism and white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And, but white people, I, I just like, have, have, do you absolutely not know when to shut the fuck up? Do you, are you that motherfucking entitled that you think that you have a, have a voice in this? Yeah, like that man at the town hall who was like, you shouldn't have apologized. I'd let you teach my children. It's like, cool, but your kids are white. I don't give a fuck if he teaches them. Exactly. And I'm sure you were... I'm sure you don't give a fuck. I'm sure you were threatening to throw him off a building a week ago on Facebook. So sit sit the fuck down. And so I think that, um, you know, we, (laughs) we as a nation have 
not collective soul searching to do. We need a, a, a fucking racial forensic analysis mm-hmm. in this country of every structure. Because let's not pretend that this guy does not represent the complete pinnacle of what power is in this country. Mm-hmm. The Laurentian elite. He's like an elite sheep. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's the thing that killed me about the talent show. It's like, I don't understand how we're not talking about how absurd it is that someone who, you know, grew up with immense wealth and privilege, never really had to work in a day in his life, said that he more or less won the wealth lottery. Was worldly. Which is a, like, workers folk song from Jamaica at a towel in Montreal where the tuition was God knows what. Like, that's... That's like the layers. The layers. The layers. Yeah. And like I said that, I wrote that version of that on Twitter and someone yeah. was like, why Why is Why is it absurd? Why would we, why do we need to talk about it? And I was like, I mean, just the class analysis alone yes. is like making my head hurt. Yes. Like, this person didn't know what work was in a real way and was like, ah, oh, you know, be funny singing Deo about, you know, people like lamenting their long shifts at the fucking banana plant portation whatever yeah. like at, on the docks that people sing it's like yeah sure that makes a lot of sense this year's been really very thinking a lot about the conversation we had a few months ago as a society those that used air quotes for society yeah because who's society and what but anyway uh, when donald trump said to Elon omar and to you know anna presley and to uh rashida talib to go back to where you came from and the go back to where you came from comment became like, you know, media fodder. And they are, you know, even I did an interview, oh, like, what was it like for you to hear a comment go back to where you came from as someone who's like heard that before? But it, like the comment go back to where you came from, the blackface thing is kind of very similar in that for a long time, liberals use these two examples as the high watermark of what is racism. They're like, you know, the worst thing you can do if to really prove you're a racist is blackface. Anything short of that is debatable. But blackface, that's when you know someone's a real racist. And then sure enough, you get someone who actually does fiction towards it's not a big deal. Why? Because it was long ago. Because because it, was at a party. He, because it was not a party. It was a costume. It was the whole costume. Because it was. Oh my because God, my it was. Comment yeah. I saw on Facebook. It's not like my favorite, but like literally, someone spent like multiple comments on a friend's page saying, "I would have to darken my skin. People would think I was Snow White." Laughing emoji. And like, what? And like, yeah, I am worried. Like, this woman will dress as Beyonce in blackface on this Halloween. Like, this the Halloween is coming. It's yeah. going. Yes, the backlash is coming, y'all. This Halloween is going to be really shitty. Take care. I, I, I don't even think I'm going to participate. So there is that. I didn't ask you if you thought that Jacqueline Singh should. Be <laughs> I'm joking, but I do love how they twisted that around. Because that's how we started this conversation about the need to accept yeah. his apology, and and you know what, like don't 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 ignore that. Mm. You know, I think that people sort of said, oh, you know, they're having this polite meeting, but just the fact, like he should have met with him, he should have called him and apologized for sure. But the fact that the media is asking Jud Meat whether or not he'll accept the apology has like really flipped the script, and now it's about how how magnanimous, how generous can you be 
as and and you know Jagmeet is very he gives a lot of room for that sort of stuff he really goes out of his way he doesn't speak from anger because he can't and he knows that mm-hmm. and you see that in his speech it's like yeah I'm not going to be a tool of the prime minister and I was like fuck yeah but like that question the fact that that's what it's become about now even mm-hmm. towards someone who is personally like frankly like the probably the biggest recipient of that attack in a in a way insofar as like no one gave a shit about him this whole election or during any other period except to rehash and post articles about all the shit that people are all the racist comments he receives and publishing them verbatim as if that's news without any context literally the day before the story of the blackface trudeau breaks um and then now it's about can he forgive well, you know. I, w- I want to know why, if that's the case, then why isn't it also the story of Elizabeth May and the Greens saying that, well, we can't be certain that there are blackface photos. It's, it's, this is not how I expected it to, to be, but it's shitty and ugly. Uh, I would also like to point out that I think people of color are being used as political footballs in this election. Not only people of color, if you look at what's gone on around social media, the conservatives and Bianca Bianca Adrescu, um, LGBTQ, two plus people too with the sheer tape, what's happening and what we're seeing is that uh, people of color are being used as um, collateral damage Mm -hmm. in this election to score political points in another way that they're using us to. Yeah by the liberals and the conservatives. Yes. Like that, that footage of, of Sheer, which is relevant and important to raise, was shared conversation yeah. instead of saying, you know, what are, and like saying, you you haven't been at Pride, like, you know, and now all the, the you know, the happening in August and all the Pride parades are happening and everyone's like, well, actually he's not invited. You know, the substance of the video like raises a, an important question and the fact that, Sheer keeps sidestepping it is important, but who's who's setting the agenda? The agenda, and yes. And who's asking the questions and yep. what the motivations are? Yep. Um, really betray what you know, like these uh, these intentions, which really, yeah, this every day there's something new. Every day, and it's always about so some you know I, social or identity politics. Yeah. Conservatives, that's what they would call. Yeah. Air quotes. This is so useless. Yeah. Like, I, I, wow. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But in this, like, it's very manipulative. Instead of saying, here's our, at least leading with, here's our uh, platform. Here's what we have to say. We're going to let people from the community speak on these issues. We're going to let, you know, whatever, right? And our let our work speak for itself. And then if other people want to raise the record of the conservatives, let them raise it. That's what I think. I, I, I just think that this is... It's not like we don't know they're not racist and it's, homophobic. It's... And, it's the liberals really did start this ball rolling to be honest and they got their ass handed to them at the end and to me that's poetic justice (laughs) you know so pimp him is all I have to say they played themselves exactly all right on to our second item uh so we're gonna take stock of the federal party's campaigns which up until this whole scandal was really boring, to be honest. It was just the same old things we had heard in previous elections. And I just think that there are great, there are great many 
big items that we have to talk about, not just climate change, not just race, not just immigration, and not just we should be talking. We're just under a month to go uh, in the Canada's election campaign. In reality, I think this is day 11. Let's check in with the parties to see how they're interse- how intersectional their platforms are. So, are proposing to increase the Canada Child Benefit, 15-week paid leave for adoptive parents, uh, start building a national system of paid family leave, uh, which I'm not sure what that means, strengthening gun control, which actually helps with gender-based violence, lowering child care costs by 10%. The Conservatives... Quote, two income couple earning an average salary, roughly 47000 in 2017, would save over 850 a year, unquote. Increase RESPs, that's the Education Savings Plan. Uh, kids, Arts and Sports Tax Credit. The NDP, which I'm assuming is post-secondary education. Uh, affordable child care access to greater access to EI improvements, affordable and accessible mobile plans and broadband, which is presumably good for more rural areas, to be honest. Mm -hmm. The Greens, reconciliation, land rights, missing missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls, and sovereignty. Climate change uh, with Indigenous partnerships, a green economy, promoting gender and racial equality, improving the social contract, healthcare, poverty, affordable housing, childcare and education, LGBTQ2 plus rights and trans rights, two-spirit health and two-spirit healthcare, gender equality, not equity, equality. So um, this is a, this is really is a laundry list that you know, I just went through for time's sake. But um, I think that <coughs> what I see so far from the liberals and the conservatives is basically the same. Nothing new there here. There was a really big deal about when, you remember when they introduced the, the sports tax credit. Like, that was, like, the big the big thing for a moment. You're like, why are you, like, stake your election platform on a tax credit? For kids going to hockey, like, I don't know. So he could slip in income splitting. Yeah, well. So I'm not sure if that's coming next for the conservatives, but this is basically a Stephen Harper Harper platform. Mm -hmm. That's what I see. No, totally. I I don't see anything different. Um, Yeah, yeah. It's really really kind of funny that this was the best they could do. And, I mean, there isn't any flourish to it. There's no... I mean, you know, and, the, and this pocket bark argument would make a lot more sense if the economy was tanking, but it's yes, not. It's so I not. Really understand. Like, people like definitely feel a crunch, but none of these things address any of the, the issues that we have. I mean, even, I mean, to that point, neither does the liberal budget necessarily. I agree. The liberals are just promising tweaks. I mean, lowering childcare costs by 10% when there aren't affordable spaces, uh, like, I mean, it's nothing. It effectively is nothing. There's no vision there in any real way. 
Morneau is really showing himself to be really mediocre. And it makes... There's another man... There's another prince of power who I'm wondering how the fuck. Like, honestly... Well, he inherited his family's company, and he's an insurance guy, essential. On things that connect to, you know, benefit... Like, these types of benefits. Yeah. I mean, this is... Um, I shouldn't say they're insurer, but they, they effectively work in that industry. Yeah. And... Any universal program would more or less effectively put them out of business. I see nothing here about labor, to be honest. You know, there's a lot of good stuff in the NDP platform around the Green New Deal that does touch uh, significantly on on those kind of moving to a green economy. And it it is very similar and and actually, uh, you know, unrelated, but on the topic, if people do want to read more about what Green New Deal means and what it looks like, Naomi Klein has a new book out that discusses that. Um, but I mean, yeah, like aside from that, I mean, I'll tell you, like some of everything has something to do with labor in the sense that, um, you know, the EI, the extension of EI has, has, is a, is certainly a part of that. I I think it needs to be a lot bolder, but let me give you an example of what the liberals do on a lot of changes to the Canada labor code on employment standards. And the thing first to know is that the Canada labor code doesn't affect a lot of workers. Because only very you know, small number of workers actually work in the federally regulated sector. Most are right. regulated by provinces. But, you know, Canada Labor Code touches on a lot of really big... Kind of lifts the standard across. Exactly. It's yes. a chance to lead. So there's value, normative value in that. And it affects, like, industries like, you know, transportation, mining, um, you know, anything around the ports and... and um, Banking, uh, telecom, which have a, a lot of intersectional a, a issues. A lot of interesting mm. issues happening mm-hmm. there. A lot of health and safety issues. A mm-hmm. lot of like d- difficult work. A lot of precarious work. A lot of work that's being privatized. A lot of work. A lot. You know, we'd all agree that that is like an important thing to have. Right. You know, eight hour rest period, meaning that you go home after your shift, you get eight hour chunk mm-hmm. of time to rest. Mm-hmm. Didn't exist before. Mm-hmm. So they bring all this thing, these things in. We're all very excited. You know, long time coming. Again, we think it's gonna. Re- and then what they what do they do? They exempt whole classes of workers from the legislation. So they bring it in, and then they say because they got pressured by all the corporations, Pura Later, UPS, WestJet, all these fuckers saying CN saying uh, this is too much. We're a twenty four hour operation. Our our clients expect that they were in their boxes were delivered. Their boxes are delivered. And they don't want to hire more employees to improve the the culture of shift work so that everyone can still get a break. They don't they want to keep the same number of employees they have and not give them breaks and not give them rest periods and not give them notice of schedule changes. So instead of the government saying, adapt your business model, make work make you know, address these health and safe frankly, health and safety issues by having more people covering off more shifts and then you don't have you everyone can get a break and everyone can rest instead they said fine we're going to exempt everyone in the airline industry we're going to exempt everybody in the rail industry almost a wild stuff the liberal act to give give and say something really nice look what we're doing for workers and then t- discreetly and in the quiet take it away and pay equity legislation it came in this spring and the budget it's a big deal that we've been fighting for it we being the labor movement for a very long time and you know what they just appointed their commissioner for the pay equity commission guess who it is it is someone who fought against pay equity for many many years decades from canada post they're worse than trump 
So it looks great. Look at the committees. Look who they appoint. Look at all the places where, you know, shit really goes down. It, it's the all, devil it's is all in surface. the details. It's all surface. Meanwhile, in California, the California governor, Gavin Newsom, signed the state's Assembly Bill 5 into law, and the measure is intended to reclassify many <coughs> gig economy workers as employees by applying a test that determines whether or not they qualify as factors. Now, there's a lot of controversy with this bill. Uh, a lot of people are saying it doesn't go far enough. Mm-hmm. Uber is actively fighting yeah. against this bill. But my point is, this bill is addressing what we should be addressing and talking about, too, in this country, which mm-hmm. is the future of work. Absolutely. And the fact is, there is a, there is a recognition in America, boss, and da-da-da-da-da, is bullshit. And so right now, what California is trying to do is bring them into sort of like this this umbrella of employees so that they can access i really feel that this is more about accessing benefits so on and so forth we have to look at policy from a particular lens of access and who is allowed to access those Mm -hmm. particular policies because just because they're there doesn't mean they're effective no exactly absolutely absolutely and that doesn't necessarily mean cost because i'm tired of well, that's ex- absolutely it, and and at, at, at what expense? And because I mean, that's at least an the expense. NDP are proposing yeah. tax hikes in some areas for yeah. the you know very rich, which is a conversation we yeah. haven't had properly in this country. So that's, I'm yeah. happy that the conversation of increasing taxes mm-hmm. on you know the very high one percent earner uh, you know ta- uh, tax individuals like that is and long overdue. But no one, you're right, no one asks. The, about the tax cuts and no you know and no one asks about some of the liberals procurement and what that's meant i mean yeah you know you buy a pipeline that's going to have fucking consequences and we talk about the pipeline in very general terms there's a very strong report from the parliamentary budget office about mm. you know what the fact that frankly they paid sticker price they over they overpaid for something they could have got bargain basement prices because no one else would have bought it and the company was looking to dump it but fine, you know, like all these really weird things and no, and there's no real conversation about like their own stewarding of the so-called stewarding of the economy. And that basically we bought this from Enron. <coughs> Come again. And basically we bought this pipeline from Enron. It's wild. Okay. So, uh, we'll be talking a lot about, <laughs> we'll be talking a lot about this election, obviously. Uh, but I really do think... What do you think of Andrew Yang and his approach to the future of work? Um, I don't and know. labor and yeah. so on and so forth. I mean, I think, it's an, I think it's a conversation that's worth having. Yeah. I don't hate some of the points he made. Yeah. Um, I think there is, it's a little bit oversimplified. Because we should be talking about automation. We should be talking about where the jobs are coming from. Yeah. And we should, like, we're just, we're yeah, just fucking reactionary. I mean, I would say reactionary. are talking about that. I mean, yeah. the Green New Deal addresses that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Sanders definitely addresses that. But it, people hear it different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Don't talk about job creation in, in, in other ways, which is, yeah, shifting in, like shifting our focus away from carbon, the carbon, you know, base, a, car, a carbon-based economy necessarily means you're creating jobs in other sectors. And what does that look like? Right. Um, and I don't think people to explain what that actually looks like. And I think it sounds big and scary when more realistic than a lot of other 
proposals that are on the table. I mean, other other forms of job. I mean, there's all sorts of training people and, and doing this this kind of work, mm-hmm. but it involves that you are also tough on training institutions and educational institutions and ensure that they're not gouging people and ensure that there are those kinds of things and who's paying and like. And let's let's actually do an analysis about these jobs um, and how they affect women especially mm-hmm. and how they affect women. Like for example, if you're an Uber driver, going back to the California gig economy example, Bloomberg that has a tech podcast I listen to a lot what kind of mechanisms are there to ensure safety for mm-hmm. example so I, I well especially yeah. when you're an independent contract exactly you sort of other rights and you have to pay into all of your own insurance and, and you don't get those state and, benefits right yeah. so and you don't get access to the state benefits yeah, and what does that FBI, mean for nothing. for yeah. single for single mothers yeah. especially so fairly like is needed and necessity like you know like they you can't talk about women in the workplace without addressing child care. Mm-hmm. Um, and frankly, you can't talk about anyone working without really addressing child care because the underlying assumption is someone is doing it, it's usually the woman, but the, you know, it's still an issue for, for anyone who's working um, to address child care needs. But that wouldn't be front and center, especially now. I mean, we're at like, it's getting more critical every year with right. child care spaces and child care costs. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, it's it's only going to get more costly. You know, if you address it now, you start building spaces, you do the investment over time, it's going to get easier. But it's like... We're not even ready to no invest. There's absolutely yeah. no, you know, almost, uh, you know, other than... I mean, the child tax benefit, I think, you know, has had some... been generally well received and there's value in that. But again, if there aren't spaces there... It's a real issue. And if there isn't, you know, a real mechanism to, like, make, you know, direct that money in, in good spaces, good programs, after school. And it could be anything where you work with the provinces, create after, after school care programs and, pre, you know, like, physically at schools without, you know, like, there are ways to, like, be creative around how to do child care. And not, there is no panacea. That's the no, other thing I no, want to say. No, but, I mean, I think politically what, what, has made childcare a difficult conversation and from a strategic standpoint is that it already exists in Quebec. So people who have very crude ideas about winning in certain areas, I mean, this was the notion, you know, people had about the NDP running on childcare in the last election is, well, that's not, you know, you, you can't run on childcare because now Quebec doesn't give a fuck about your platform because they already have childcare. They have like $10. I'll care about childcare because the votes aren't there to yeah. yeah. I think so too. But, but there's a lot of bullshit in this election. Once you start thinking more. about those types of like realpolitik things, it becomes very naked why certain things make their way into a platform and other things don't. Precisely. All right. So up next, rant and receipts. <laughs> Previously on Unpacking the News, Tony, what was your reaction when General Motors announced their intent to shutter the Oshawa factory last November? Uh, I was furious and a lot of workers in the the plant were furious. I really like how we're getting into the mind of Jason Kenney right now. It was her responsibility to come forward. Happy New Year. Ricochet's Unpacking the News is a weekly politics show featuring interviews and conversations from a left perspective with me, Andre Goulet. Find it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. 
We're now at Ranting Receipts, where we each share a story and basically rant about it. Mm-hmm. First up, Amy, what All you right. got? So, since it's been a little while since we reconvened, uh, just want to rehash a little bit of what happened with Jay-Z and the NFL. And the NFL. Thank you. It's just, still not over it. Uh, Me neither. <laughs> Me neither. So, for those who don't know, in August, the NFL announced a partnership with Jay-Z and Rock Nation, and uh, essentially a partnership is a way for him to consult on the league's booking for live events and performances, namely the halftime show at the Super Bowl, uh, probably some other things, but mostly that, and also their social justice initiative, Inspire Change. And the thing that's outrageous about all this is that Jay-Z has spent the better part of the last like number of years saying, I'm not going to work with the NFL, I'm not doing the halftime show, I'm not involved in the Super Bowl, I'm shows is, you know, was dissuading other people there's a whole thing about a year ago he reached out to Jermaine Dupree and begged him not to do anything involving the Super Bowl because it himself he says I think we can for I think that we forget that Colin's whole thing was to bring attention to social justice it's social injustice so in this case it was in it was a success this is the next thing because there are two parts to protesting first you go outside and you protest and then the company or individual says I hear you what do we do next and that's the action, the actionable item. What are we going to do with it? The clip of a, of a book, Black Awakening in Capitalist America, it's from 1969 by Robert L. Allen. And uh, the, the choice quote he pulls out is, what they seek is not to end oppression, but to transfer the a- oppressive apparatus into their own hands. And, like about, and it's a reflection on black capitalism, uh, which I think is beautifully poetic. Um, then we saw all that dreadlocks, I mean, it's like yeah. how to help like these young kids perform yeah. their lives. Yeah. And the way to do it was symbolically they cut off their dreads and their CEO of this organization would hold like hold up their dreads and there's Instagram photos of her cutting yeah. these poor kids. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw those photos. On so many levels, that's like $400,000 just to that, like, you know, those organizations, one of which uh, does that. The other one is like, you know, essentially like praises the Chicago police. So, just like wild, oh my god, just wild ass nonsense that completely is divorced from anything Kaepernick was ever talking about, and frankly, anything you know that's anything to do with social injustice. And I just have so many questions. Like, how did Jay choose these? Not that he did it alone, but like, who chose these organizations? Like, you know, whatever else. It's making me think a lot about Jay Z and his friendship to Kanye West. And maybe what's going on oh, there, you know, because for a while everyone was like, oh, look at, you know, look at Kim and Kanye out with Jay-Z and Beyonce. And you can see that Beyonce's not having any of it. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but they were talking some stuff and I think there's a lot more in common there. And a lot of it comes down to class and like this sort of like class corruption that happens at a certain level. But it just they're it, they're really good friends with Gwyneth Paltrow well, and yeah, Chris uh, Martin. Yeah, that's some deep shit. Which sure, yeah. which which is some diabolical shit. Yeah. And I just like oh, oh, oh okay. So I think uh, but, but it does taint like to me Beyonce and Jay Z's music and activism. Like even in ape shit, there's a line about. Like we're you know we're in the stadiums too. Tell the NFL we're in the stadiums too. Like yeah, like, you know, that was like a year ago that album came yeah. out. So it's not like he's been protesting, like hasn't been protesting the NFL for a long time. Um, 
and or, or rather that it was a long time ago is like quite recent and and you know obviously Beyonce's more recent brand of music has been you know more rooted in activism I mean obviously formation yeah. but like so many other facets the whole of lemonade work. album the whole lemonade yeah. album is yeah. a protest art piece yes um you know but even even the like Carter's joint like project right was was that too so it's just like you know I don't know but then you think about lines that she says this is why people like, like you know when she's like maybe I'm a black Bill Gates in the yes making. yes yes that does about be- black Bill Gates in formation by the way yeah in formation yeah so it does betray a certain capitalist ideal you know I mean and and you know in in the like on my kids won't have to worry about a cent essentially shit. right yeah you know. JC has always you know promoted some sort of black capitalism for uh, sure. capitalism is a very <laughs> touchy subject for us for obvious reasons sure when you're the commodities it tends to be that way uh, when you continue to be the commodities it tends to be that way um, and I, I think what 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 this has sparked up is that conversation about black cap means what being in the room means mm-hmm. has to be examined. Yeah. Are you in the room because you're just there to enrich yourself? <coughs> because we don't have the luxury of I think black people need to understand that we don't have the luxury of just doing it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We have a community mm-hmm. that we have to answer to. Well, and I think part of the problem too with all of this is I think it treats black people as still as a commodity and yeah. certainly as consumers in this perverse way. Right. Where the only reason Jay Z is in the room is so the NFL can recapture its you know, the black demographics interests and like money and you know right like yeah sell merchant is that's advertising exactly. having to hire back colin, colin kaepernick, kaepernick. Yeah. the you get the colin kaepernick yeah you know surrogate who is willing to sell out and there you go so what's the difference between that and what the liberal party is doing mm-hmm. yeah i mean like i just think the like capitalism and social injustice that jay-z that's what the term he used social injustice i'm good with that they're they're naturally at odds yeah they always will some is based in the individual and as you're saying we're not taught it's not about enriching the individual yeah it can't needs, be. social injustice can only be redressed by enriching the collective and the thing is is that is that that's how people get rich is the collective because if you really think about well, it, culture, like not, yeah, like no, no, no. Like, I'm not saying that yeah. that that like the collective of like white privilege or right. white white male dominance is not by accident, yeah. right? It is because they all pat each other's back and they excuse. And we we talked about this in the Trudeau segment, but the protected connections of privilege and power are what enrich them. So. I mean, I think our whole idea of what capitalism and what becoming, I don't know any major, major billionaire <coughs> of shitting all over other people. Yeah. Let's be honest well, about that. Well, I mean, that. capitalism is inherently exploitative as right. a model, right? They, like, in, in the only way to profit is to, like, is essentially to take from others. And that, I mean, and obviously it's been taken to a heightened degree that the more wealth you accumulate, the 
you know, the more status you have, the more wealth then you can generate in other places. So it always has this downward crunch that will oppress people, even if you're not talking about sweatshop labor and, and you know, human like human trafficking that necessitates some some things, resource extraction that harm like Well, and, everything becomes you know, a commodity that can but be bought and just, sold, yeah, right? But even so. if you're just talking about, you know, it's like more simplistic models, it's still necessarily about We've commoditized our fucking movements. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's exactly what's what what's happened with a lot of, um, I mean, even, you know, it's like you go, go to fucking any music festival. Music festivals were like really created out of what people saw at Woodstock and wanted to, yeah. which was genuinely a protest that was unorganized. Yeah. And wanted to cre- recreate that sense of, a, you know, a collective experience. But now this stage is brought brought to you by Virgin, and this stage is brought to yeah. you by Bell, and here's a free H and M gift card, and yeah. here's a uh, you know water bottle from the Bank of Montreal, right. and there is your Ikea and now I'm better known. You know, well, no, but now we package it up, we post it on Instagram, and yeah. give them some shine. Yeah, right, yeah. And, and we do their marketing for them. Yeah, so you have, bring up a valid point. Very smart brothers. Um, the blog had a very good piece on how so did Jamil Hill in the Atlantic so I encourage you to read that uh, had a very good piece about Jay-Z and they called it this is the best line Jay-Z got paid to be the NFL's black boyfriend and <laughs> there is a line in here what's clear is that he's made himself unwillingly or intentionally the, uh, the jail into the NFL's elliptical be- Becky. So there's a there's an there's an anecdote preceding this. The Trump card they believe they can, but we're dating Jay Z now, so that gives us a hood pass. Unquote. Mm-hmm. And I think that is exactly the issue and exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to uh, stupid Bet Midler. Who this week, um, in the middle of, um, well, Canadian <laughs> scandal fuckery, decided to drop this little Twitter nugget. Beyonce has 133 million Instagram followers, more than double the people who voted for Trump. Wouldn't it be amazing if the Bayhive, the Beehive, mobilized to defeat him? I also wouldn't mind if a regular beehive fucked his shit up. And people were like, bitch, what the fuck? And basically, bitch, what the fuck? Because, again, Bette Midler is playing some sort of antebellum missy to to mobilize or, or blame or shame black women for so-called not doing enough, especially a black woman in a position of power, funny as we were just talking about Beyonce, and is not talking to the 53% who voted for Trump. This is my problem. This is her always taking black women to task for not doing enough. This is her expecting us to do all the work and they do nothing. And then when we're not doing something, then we're called out for not doing something. Also, like, the demographic of Beyonce is not the same that's ever going to make it necessarily a change. There are probably already folks who are either already politically engaged or already anti-Trump. You know, like, 
in another way. You, you need to be, like, moving. And there were record numbers of, of like, black women voting. Like, it's not... Where are all even, these white women for... Exactly. Well, where was she when Taylor Swift sat on her ass until, like, just, re, like, a month ago? That was finally, in the replies. And finally decided <laughs> to drop in and talk to her people who are the ones who need to be reined the fuck in and, like, directed at. She was silent when the Nazis were claiming her. No, totally. She was silent for a long time. I wanted to know what the thing that tipped her over the edge into. She, she finally got her marketing strategy together. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't understand these white women going up for Hillary when yeah. black women didn't, weren't really that jazz. Where yeah, are all yeah. those white women? Where are all those, those so-called feminists who were supposed to show up and vote in, in mass for Hillary? Where were they? I just, I just like, is she for real? Yeah. And then I remember Susan Sarandon exists and I'm like, yes. <laughs> so there, I, I just, I, you know, white people don't want to do the work. We're just supposed to be like, okay, whatever. Anyway, I'm done ranting. Um, That does it for this week. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening and stay bitchy. Bye. Bye.